Or things I could not understand And many times in trials Weakness blurs my vision My frustration gets so out of hand It's then I am reminded I've never been forsaken I've never had a stand to take As I look at all the victory, spirit. 
my fire, my weakness is made strong.
Surely they thought that this would be the end of this man. But on that third and glorious day, God came and rolled the stone away. He rose from the dead because he loved me. was crucified no greater love for mortal man had ever been known oh praise his dear name he loves me so now i am his he's mine i know he suffered it all because he loved me cross was crucified no greater love for mortal man has ever been known oh praise his dear name he loved me so now i am his he's mine i know he suffered it all because he loved me thankful this morning that he loves us amen in spite of ourselves he still uh, loves us and uh, we're just so thankful for the love of God and that's one thing that you can never exhaust is God's love and uh, so thankful Bible says God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us and hallelujah thankful that he not only came, not only went to the cross, not only that he died, but he arose the third day. He ascended back to heaven, seated at the Father's right hand, intercedes on our behalf. And one day soon, very soon, uh, he's coming back, uh, just like he promised, looking forward uh, to that day. But I appreciate the songs, I appreciate the choir, and appreciate all of you being here. It's good to have our visitors with us uh, today, and just want you to make yourself at home. And uh, join in this service this morning. I want to ask you to take your Bibles and go to the Gospel of Luke. Gospel of Luke, chapter number 8. And I'd like to read some verses from here and uh, just share with you what God's laid uh, on our heart for this service this morning. Pray for the next uh, few minutes as we look in uh, to God's Word. The Bible's in uh, Luke, chapter number 8. And I want to ask you if you're able to do so. Would you stand for the reading of the Word of God uh, this morning? The Bible reads like this. It says, And they arrived, in verse 26, And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man, which had devils a long time, and wear no clothes, neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God, most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. 
For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oftentimes it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and he broke the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. And they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. And there was there an herd of of many swine feeding on the mountain. And they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them. And he suffered them. Then went the devils out of the man and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and were choked. When they that fed them saw what was done, they fled and went and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what was done, and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And the Bible says, and they were afraid. They also which saw it told them, By what means he that was possessed of the devils was healed? Then the whole multitude of the country of the Gadarenes round about besought him to depart from them. For they were taken with great fear, and he went up into a ship and returned back again. Now notice verse 38 and 39. Now the man out of whom the devils were departed besought him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to thine own house, and show how great things God hath done unto thee. And he went his way, and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. God our Father in heaven, we bow in your presence again today, thanking you for this day. Thank you, God, for the blessings that you've given us. Thank you for allowing us to be here in your house today. Thank you for your presence, God, that we feel uh, here in our midst. And I pray, God, that you'll take, Lord, uh, this service today, and God, speak to our hearts through the Word of God. Strengthen and encourage your children uh, today. God, I pray that you might save some lost soul for Jesus' sake in this place. God, those that are here in this building, those that are watching by live stream this morning, those that are listening to the radio broadcast. God, I pray that you'll speak to all of our hearts. And God, help us, Lord, to be up and about your business. And God, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for what you've done in days past. Thank you for what you've already done uh, today. And we thank you for what you're going to do in the days ahead. And to you be all the honor and the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. And for His sake we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. I want you to notice verse number 35 and something that is said in this this verse. It says, They went out to see what was done. And the Bible says, And came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed. And notice this. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed 
and in his right mind, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. Last Sunday morning, we looked at a thought concerning our hope. And we saw in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4 that it told us to sorrow not as others which have no hope. The Apostle Paul, in writing uh, to the church at Ephesus, in Ephesus, uh, in Ephesians chapter number 2, verse number 1 says, You hath he quickened, that means made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sin. That tells us what we were uh, before we were saved by God's grace. Later in that chapter, in verse number 12, uh, the Bible reads like this, that at that time, that's prior to being saved, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers of the covenants of promise, notice this, having no hope, and without God in the world. That's what we were. But I want to tell you something today. There's people today that have no hope and that are without God in the world. I'm so thankful this morning uh, for the saving power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm thankful this morning that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. I'm thankful for hearing uh, the gospel message and the truth of the gospel message. I want to ask you a question uh, this morning. Do you know somebody, maybe there's somebody in your family, uh, maybe there's somebody that's a friend or, or that you're acquainted with, uh, maybe there's somebody that you know and that you know about that seemingly uh, that there's no hope. There's nothing, absolutely nothing, uh, that can be done. We live in a time, we live in a day and age in this world where people's lives are in utter chaos. You think about the lawlessness that is going on in our society uh, today. You think about uh, the alcohol abuse. You think about the drug addiction uh, that's taking place uh, in our uh, society today. You think about the murders. You think about all the shootings uh, that are uh, front page news uh, on a daily basis uh, in our society today. You think about individuals that's been caught over and over and over and over. Uh, continually they get caught and they'll go back, uh, go to jail and then they'll get out and they go right back and do the exact same thing uh, over and over and over. And we may step back and we may look at them. And we may look at those individuals and we make a, may make a statement, something like this, that they're beyond help. That they're beyond help. Nobody can help them. Nobody. No one can help them. Over in... Uh, the Gospel of Matthew. If you'll turn there with me right quick. I want to show you something in some Scripture here. In Matthew chapter 19. If you'll read this first part of this chapter. 
like beginning in verse number 16, it's what is known as the rich young ruler coming to Jesus. And he asked him a question. He says, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And Jesus responds and says, why callest thou me good? There's none good but God. He says, but if thou wilt enter into life, he says, keep thy commandments. And the rich young ruler says, which? And Jesus says, thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And the young man said unto him, all these things have I kept from my youth up. He says, what lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, if thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. And verse 22 says, but when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, listen to this, very closely. He says, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter in to the kingdom of God. And the Bible said when the disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. If you go in in the scripture that I read in in Luke chapter number 8, it's the maniac of Gadara. And it's a man that to the world and to the society and to people around him, that there was no hope for him that he was beyond help. They had tried all different means uh, to help this man. We'll talk about this in a moment. But they could do nothing. They could do absolutely nothing. There was nothing in their own strength that they could do. Maybe this morning you know someone that seems to be without help. The same scripture account that I read in Matthew 19 is also found in Mark chapter 10. Verse 27 of that says this, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. And we'll read those verses this morning, and we'll think about those verses, and we may even make the statement of that there's nothing impossible with God. Do we really and truly believe that today? If you've got a family member, a friend, or maybe somebody that God has pointed out uh, that you know or that you're acquainted with, and maybe you've even made the statement, or maybe you've even had uh, the thought uh, that kid, there's no help for them. I want to tell you something uh, this morning on the authority of the Word of God. Uh, there's help this morning. 
There's help for individuals this morning. There's help for lives uh, this morning. Uh, there's help uh, that is available uh, this morning. And we're going to see that in these verses. Because at the end of this, when the people of this city come out to see this man, they come and they see him and they look and the Scripture uh, tells us that they found the man out of whom the devils were departed. And the Bible says, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. What a change. Aren't you glad this morning that, that Jesus is in the life-changing business? <laughs> There's nothing impossible with him. There's nothing can I hear can I say that again? There's nothing impossible uh, with him. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we think or ask. He's able. He can. He will. There's lives, there's people in this building this morning that you've experienced the life-changing power of God. You've experienced that in your life. There might have been somebody, and I'm satisfied they were people uh, that looked at my life, and they, and they would think, well, there's no help for him. Uh, there's no hope for him. Uh, he's going to wind up over here uh, somewhere. And except for the grace of God, I'd be in a chain gang right now. Uh, except for the grace of God, I'd be in hell right now if it were not for His grace. But I'm glad this morning that there's help. There's help. First thing I want you to think about this morning is this. Think about the shape this man was in. Think about this for a moment. This same account is found in Matthew chapter number 8. And you can read that. This same account is in the Gospel of Mark chapter number 5. We're studying Mark in our Sunday school uh, class. And you can read that account. It's also found here in Luke uh, chapter number 8. Jesus had, had traveled across the Sea of Galilee to the land of Gadara. Now, Gadara is located about six miles southeast of the lower end of the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus went that way. I think about it like this. And, and if you'll look, most of His most of the miracles, most of the things that he did uh, were on the western side of the Sea of Galilee. But he went here. And I, I think about this a lot because in John chapter number 4, you remember uh, Jesus w had an encounter with a woman at a well. She was a Samaritan woman. And the fourth verse of chapter number 4 of John says this, "...and he must needs go through Samaria." The reason he must needs go through Samaria is because there's a woman there uh, that needed uh, the living water that he was going to offer. Aren't you glad? I remember as a 17-year-old boy, two rows from the back in Mountain View Baptist Church in Gainesville, Georgia, uh, sitting on the end of the bench there. And I was listening as a pastor got up and preached the Word of God. I couldn't tell you the Scripture he used.
confused. I couldn't tell you everything about uh, what went on in that service other than this. Uh, I got under conviction. I'm talking about Holy Ghost conviction. I felt like the floor was going to open up and I was going to drop right in uh, to the pits of hell. Uh, it was that real. And I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know what to pray. I didn't know the words uh, to say. The only thing I knew according to the Word of God that I'd heard was God loved me and He sent His Son Jesus uh, to die for my sin. Uh, not because of His sin, but because of my sin. And if I'd call on Him and receive Him, believe on Him uh, as my personal Savior, I could be saved by God's grace. And I've not been the same since. I'm glad He's able. Glad that He's able. Jesus went down. And that, that night in Mountain View Baptist Church, Jesus must needs pass by that way because there's a 17-year-old boy that needed to be saved. And whoever you are, if you've been saved by God's grace, wherever you were, Bobby, if it was by that bedside of your mom and daddy, He must needs pass by that way because there was a need there. And he came to Gadara. And the Bible said, listen to this, I, I like this scripture. The Bible says that he went forth to the land, said there made him out of the city a certain man which had devils a long time. Now there's only one devil, but there's many demons. Many demons. And the Bible says that he had devils a long time. In Mark's account of this, in Mark 5, 2, said he's unclean spirit. In Matthew chapter number 8, he said he was possessed with devils, demons. That this man, they had control of him. He was possessed and he had been this way for a long time. The Bible says that he wear no clothes. He wear no clothes. Didn't dwell in a house where he dwell. He dwelled among the tombs. But I want you to notice something that happens in all three, all three gospel accounts give testimony to this fact. The Bible says that when he saw Jesus, there's just something about Jesus, isn't there? When he saw Jesus, the Bible says, when he saw him, it says he cried out and he fell down before him. And the Bible said, said this, says with a loud voice, he said, What have I to do with thee? Jesus, thou Son of God, most high. He says, I beseech thee, torment me not. This man, his condition was in such a shape. He was possessed uh, with demons. He was possessed uh, with an unclean spirit. The Bible says in Matthew's account that he was exceeding fierce. He was uncontrollable and in such a shape that no man could pass by that way. The Bible said they even took him and they bound him uh, with fetters and chains. But the Bible said that he would break them asunder. Uh, because of his strength. And he dwelt among the tombs. One of them uh, gives reference that this man was continually cutting himself 
there. And that's what kind of shape that he was in. I want you to know this morning that the devil's real. The devil's real. And I want you to know this morning that his demons are real. They're real. It's not a figment of somebody's imagination. It's not something. And I want to tell you this. The devil's not in a red suit with a a point on his tail and a pitchfork carrying around either. He makes himself of something of beauty. The Bible tells us, and you may sit here this morning and say, I don't worry about that. I don't worry about that. I don't worry about these things. Now, I want to tell you this. A child of God, if you're saved by God's grace, the Holy Ghost of God indwells you as a child of God. The Bible tells us we're sealed until the day of redemption. Nothing can change that. Nothing can alter that. But I want to tell you this. Uh, what will happen and what can happen. And the Scripture gives us some things about this. Listen in Ephesians uh, chapter number 6. And I want you to listen uh, to verses 10 through 12. Listen to this. And don't think you're immune as a child of God uh, to His attacks. Don't think you're immune as a child of God to His influence. Don't think you're immune uh, to those things. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter number 6, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil." For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We're not battling flesh and blood. We're in a battle every single day as a child of God. It would amaze us this morning to know, to know the battle that took place for you to get ready and for you to get in your car and for you to head this way uh, this morning. It would be unreal uh, to know the conflict uh, that went on. But I'm glad uh, that God's got His angels around us that has to protect us. The Bible said they're ministering spirits unto us. And the devil's got his. And there's a battle and a warfare that's going on. And you and I as a child of God, we're challenged there in the book of Ephesians to put on the whole armor of God. We're in a conflict. We're in a battle that we can stand against the wiles of the devil. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. Tony, if, I, if it was a wrestling match between me and you, I might could work out enough. I might could do enough exercise. I might could build up myself enough that I might be able uh, for the first two minutes to take you, okay? But we're not battling flesh and blood. We're battling against something that is unseen, but it's real. It's real. Now, the Bible says for us to put on the whole armor of God. And we're to put on 
the whole armor of God. We're not to leave. And you can go on down and read in those verses and it'll tell you those pieces of armor uh, to put on. We're not to leave anything off. We're to put it on because we're in a battle and we're in a conflict. I want to give you a verse right here. This is free, okay? But in 1 Timothy chapter number 1, it tells us something here. Listen to this. 1 Timothy chapter number 4, verse number 1. It says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. As, as we approach and as we go near every day that we live, we're a day nearer, a day closer uh, to the Lord's return. It could be today. It could be before these lights uh, go out. Uh, it could be before we walk out uh, these doors this morning. It could be uh, we're looking for Him. He can come at any moment. Uh, he can come. And He will come. He promised that He would. But in the latter days... They said there would be an increase in demonic activity taking place. We may look at people and we may say that there's no help for them. There's no hope for them. In 1 John chapter 4, verse number 4, remember this always. It says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. I'll tell you what, if, if the devil could get me today, that'd mean he's bigger than God. If the devil could get me today as a child of God, it would mean he's more powerful than God. But thanks be unto God, the devil's already a defeated foe. And these demons knew it. These demons knew it. So he was in a terrible condition. Notice the change. The Bible says, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him. And with a loud voice says, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High? In all three Gospels that record this event, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus Christ is recognized as the Son of God by these demons. All three. Jesus asked him, What is thy name? In verse 30. And he said, Legion. Because many devils or many demons were entered into him. A legion could be between 3,000 and 6,000. We know that in just a little bit, that... They would be cast into a herd of swine of about 2,000. 
And that herd of swine would run down the steep into the ocean or the water to the sea and would be choked, the Bible says, in the sea. But a question was asked. Listen to this. In verse 28, the demon says, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. In Mark's account of this same Scripture, it says he cried, the demons, the demons cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God, the Most High God, or thou Son of the Most High God, I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. In Matthew's account of this, it says, Behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us? And notice this, before the time. This is the question that the demons ask. Can I say on the authority of God's Word this morning, they're already defeated. They're already defeated. Every single one of them. You say... Preacher said, how do, you, how do you know this? The Word of God tells us. In Matthew 25, listen to this. Matthew chapter number 25, verse 41. At the judgment of the nations, Jesus will make this statement. In verse 41, to those that were placed on the left hand. He says, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. He's already a defeated enemy. He's already a defeated enemy. In the book of Jude, if you look in Jude, verse number 6, it says, "...the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day." Their days are numbered. Their days are limited. They're already a defeated enemy. They're already a defeated foe. In Revelation 20, verse number 10, it says, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Can I say uh, this morning on the authority of the Word of God, uh, yes, we may have uh, things that come against us. Uh, yes, the demons uh, may come against us uh, as a child of God and try to trip us up, try to hinder uh, the work of God. 
in a conflict and we're in a battle and a conflict with Him uh, every single day in which we live. But may I say this morning on the authority of the Word of God that they're already a defeated foe. It's coming. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And the Bible said... Those swine ran down, were choked in the sea. People went into the country, told in the city what had taken place. People come out to see, they saw the man sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed, and in his right mind, the Bible says, and they were afraid. And they also, which saw it, told him by what means he was possessed of the devil was healed. And the Bible says the whole multitude of the country gatherings round about besought him, to depart from them. You know, this is the strangest thing. Here was a man that nobody could tame. Here was a man that was possessed with demons. Legion. Here was a man that dwelt among the tombs. Here was a man that was cutting himself with the stones. Here was a man that was exceeding fierce. No man could pass by that way. Here was a man that they had tried to bind up. They had tried to chain him. They had tried to constrain him. Nothing, 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 nothing worked. And then here comes Jesus. And these demons recognized Jesus who he was. And they, recognize, and they also confessed the fact that they would be tormented one day. And they asked him, said, have you come to torment us before the time? Jesus commanded the demons, the unclean spirit, to come out of the man that went in the swine. And all the people came out. And this man that could not be controlled, this man that society couldn't do anything for, this man that the society said he's without help. Nobody can do anything for him. They came out and they saw him sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And the people were so filled with fear that they asked Jesus to leave. Huh? Huh? Isn't that the strangest thing? They asked Jesus to leave. And you know what he did? He left. He left. But our story doesn't end there. I want you to notice the last part, and I'm going to close. Listen to this. It says that they sought him to depart from them, for they were taken with great fear. And the Bible said he went back into, up into the ship and returned back again. Verse 38. Now the man, out of whom the devils were departed. Here's the man that was sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. It says the man out of whom the devils were departed, besought him, besought Jesus, 
that he might be with him. He wanted to be with him. He wanted to go with him. You know, ever since I've been saved, I've never had a desire not to come to church. I've never had a desire not to go to church. You know, the Bible tells us not forsaking the assembling ourselves together as a manner of some is, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Never had a desire not to go. This man, Jesus did a work in his life, an amazing work. Man couldn't help him. Society couldn't help him. But Jesus could. And Jesus did. And he had a desire to be with him. I love coming to the house of God. And I love being around the people of God. And the fellowship that we enjoy together. He's just nothing no better and nothing no sweeter. And when we start singing the songs, or maybe we're sitting in the Sunday school class and we open up the Word of God, and boy, you can just feel God's presence around us. You just don't get that anywhere else. Huh? It's good. And he besought him that he might be with him. He said, I want, I want to go with you. I want to go with you. I want to be with you. That was his desire. It says, besought him that he might be with him. But the Bible said, but Jesus sent him away. And he gave him something to do. And it's much like what he does with us. You know, for a long time, after I got saved, I, I just wonder why. I mean, it's, it's wonderful. Best thing ever happened to anybody is to get saved. And I thought, well, you know, why don't, why, why don't the Lord just, when we get saved, He just carries us on home and be with Him then. But He left us here for a reason. And this, this man besought to be with Jesus. He wanted to be with Him wherever He went. But Jesus sent him away saying, he says, Return to thine own house and show how great things God hath done unto thee. He said, go home. Go home. You show them what great things God's done for you. I don't know how it might have been, but I just kind of, my little peanut mind thinks about it like this. I don't know how it might have been. Maybe this man had a wife and family. And maybe that wife was standing there in the kitchen at the sink washing some dishes. She's looking out the window. And she looks down the road. And she sees this figure coming down the road. And she watches it for a minute. And it gets a little closer. And she's thinking, could that, 
could could that be who <laughs> I think that is maybe she calls one of the kids up there and the kid she tells the kids and your daddy's coming down the road and I could almost see maybe the fear that gripped those kids knowing of how it was But the mama says, come here, look. There's something different about him. And those kids come to the window. They see him. Maybe that wife and kids, they open the door and they go running out. And they see him and they ask him. said, what happened? And he said, I met Jesus. I met Jesus. And he changed my life. And those kids began to rejoice. That wife begins to rejoice. That he ain't the same anymore <laughs> after meeting him. I said, go home and show them. Every day he was showing them what great thing God had done for him. Every day, wherever we go as a child of God, we show what great thing the Lord has done for us. And one of the gospel accounts says he went and he published it in Decapolis. Now, Decapolis is ten cities. He went and published it in Decapolis. Everywhere he went, he was a testimony of the life-changing power of God. Society said he can't be helped. Society said there's nothing that can be done. Society said he's beyond help. He needs to just stay out there in the tombs. But Jesus, uh-uh, he cast those demons out. And he was a changed man. Never the same anymore. Now what about that person that you thought at the first of this service was beyond help? Beyond hope. Nothing can be done. They'll never change. Jesus changes lives. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed, and in His right mind. Never the same anymore. Mitch, come on with a song. Let's stand our feet. I want to ask you to do something this morning. If God's laid somebody on your heart this morning, that maybe you've had the thought, or you've been thinking, they just no help. Nothing can be done for them. They'll never get straightened out. They'll never be fixed. What about if they meet Jesus? What about if you and I go to our home, to our friends, to our families, and we show them, we show them every day, we show them every single day what great, 
things God has done for us. Isn't that a blessing? Isn't that a blessing? When I first got saved, some people lived across the street from us when I announced my call to preach. They own a bait shop. There's two brothers and a sister. And that sister, I went over there and I told them the Lord had called me to preach. And one of the men's name was Homer. And his sister said this, Homer's going to be watching you. That's what she said. Homer's going to be watching you. And I didn't know hardly how to, how to take that. But my prayer was that he saw something out of me that showed him Jesus. And let that be our prayer, all of our prayers today. May people see something out of us that will show them Jesus.